Hi, my name is Karu. I'm from London, and this episode is brought to you by MPW. Have you found the process of setting up your home studio confusing or overwhelming? Or do you feel like you need to spend a lot of money to have a decent setup? If so, grab a free copy of MPW's Getting Started in Music Production Checklist, which has their top recommendations for building your home studio on a budget, what to look for when buying gear, and tips on how to start with what you already have. Use the link in the show notes to download the checklist now. Uh, what am I saying? This is MPW, 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 the podcast with your host, Zylo Aria. Cool. A podcast about music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the MPW podcast. I'm your host, Zylo Aria, and today we are talking to Caroline Tu. So Caroline is a product manager at Focusrite for the Claret range and also previously worked at SSL, and she is also an artist and songwriter. So amazing to have you today, Caroline. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what's your day been like so far? Have you done much this morning? Not too much so far. So I've just just had one meeting so far and then um, it's still quite early over here. So I haven't got into the day of meetings yet. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Get a bit intense when it's too many meetings in one day, I always feel. Yes, lots of time on Zoom at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Do you have um, some more things that you're working on today or are you working on any personal projects of your own? Yeah, so I've been trying to record a bit more of my own music as well. So it's something I've just I've been starting recently during the lockdown. That's oh, been yeah. uh, one of my kind of lockdown projects. So <laughs> I've been... a. Uh, setting up my sort of home studio in here trying to get some recordings done so I've done one thing already uh, where I released a a song on a compilation album with some other some other friends um, that was done for charity during the lockdown so so that was really fun so just been trying to do a bit more music really and um, kind of use a lot of the equipment that I've got in this room (laughs) yeah yeah awesome yeah I can see some some gear behind you is that some like outboard stuff (laughs) Yeah, so I have a uh, I have an Avalon seven thirty seven SP channel strip, which is a really nice mic preamp and compressor. I use that quite a lot, and then I also have um, quite a lot of different Focusrite interfaces. Obviously, since I'm working from home, yeah, I've got I've got a few different options in here as well. So the one that I use uh, the most is the um, is the eight pre X that I've got connected to my to my iMac. So oh, that's cool. the one I've been using the most, but. Um, but at the moment, I'm using a, a two pre USB to to do this recording. So, oh, nice. <laughs> Lots of different options. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. And it's nice to hear that you're kind of uh, making the most of the lockdown time because, uh, yeah, I think people have been either finding it really productive or really hard to be productive. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's really funny because, like, I mean, it's. It, I think for the beginning I was finding it really hard to be productive because it was just such a shock, you know. It yeah. was so different. But it took a bit of time, but now I feel like, okay, I've got all this time, I've got yeah. all this equipment, I'm sat at home, like, why don't I do something with this? I think it's taken some people a bit of time to get to get settled with it, but it's it's been amazing to see everybody's creative lockdown projects. And yeah. there's so much extra creativity that, the, that everyone has unleashed in themselves, which I think is amazing. I just really hope that when everything goes back to normal, this continues because 
there's so much more creativity in the world now than there was before. And I just don't want to see us lose that. You know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and I guess we were talking before about how this seems to always happen later in the night, which can be a little bit disruptive <laughs> to working lives. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, when I was at university, I used to stay up till like two or three in the morning every night making music doing projects for university and things like that and that just was my schedule and I was just used to that and then when I started working obviously the working day starts at normal time not Mm -hmm. at like midday so I had to like change a lot so yeah I always find that though I'm like getting I'm writing a song I'm like getting into the mood and then I realize it's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock or something. And I'm like, oh, but I've got the creative zone now. I want to keep <laughs> yeah. that going. But I also have to go to work tomorrow. So, <laughs> oh my so gosh. yeah, As I really need to learn how to be creative in the morning, but it's not something that's ever worked for me. And maybe it's not something, I mean, it must happen for some people. Yeah, <laughs> I- I've heard actually that if you make it a routine, then it does work. But no, I'm completely in your boat. Like I've never been a morning creative person. I mean, when we say morning, if we say between like, 2am and 5am then yes but no yeah 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 <laughs> Not I, I guess got, it was funny at university as well because I just got so used to it because at Berkeley the they the studios that they have are so busy that the only time you get to use them is kind of in the middle of the night so you can book special practice time in the studios but that only starts at 6pm and ends I think like six in the morning or something so you can book these slots overnight so you just kind of had to do that because otherwise you didn't get into the studio oh my god I love it yeah I mean (laughs) yeah if you really wanted to spend a lot of time in the studio and not wait till the weekend then you had to go in in the middle of the night and I just got really used to it and yeah I'm not I did write a song once in the morning um, (laughs) before work once I was incredibly impressed wow (laughs) but it's it's not it's not a common occurrence (laughs) Yeah, no, I, yeah, in the same boat, in the same boat. So um, today we are talking about audio interfaces, something that you have lots of knowledge to give us today. So we will get into that, but I would love to hear a bit more about your journey into the music world. So I guess in the area of kind of production and engineering, there are not too many uh women kind of involved in that area but I'm sure in the area of actually creating and developing the products in the tech side of music there's probably even less I mean I don't know but I'm just guessing is has that been kind of your experience? Yeah definitely Um, I think it's a real shame that there aren't more women in the industry um, in all parts of the industry but but yes it's it's definitely something uh, that is an issue in engineering as well as audio so um, there's not a huge number of women in the industry, but I would love to see that change. Yeah. So how did it all start for you and how did you get some interest in the area? So originally I was a musician, so I've always done a bit of music ever since I was a child. I used to sing and play various instruments and things like that. And then I kind of wanted to be a songwriter. That was the thing I wanted to do. So I would write my own music and play them in local venues and things like that. You know, nothing nothing too big, but just small scale. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when I went to university, I wanted to find somewhere that would let me do songwriting. And at the time, there weren't loads of good options in the UK for for like a songwriting degree mm-hmm. there's much much more now so I ended up going to Berkeley College of Music in the US uh, in Boston 
So I did songwriting there for a bit. And then after a few years there, I met some people who worked in the music production major. And I had really done very little to do with audio technology at all until that point. So it was only just meeting those people. And um, Berkeley has had and still has this amazing group of studios that have these huge consoles in them and just wow. kind of getting to experience that I was like wow this is really cool I need to I need to do this <laughs> and yeah so I kind of taught myself pro tools and start and then got onto that sort of specialism within my degree and ended up kind of focusing on that after that cool so that was kind of through the degree then so before that you hadn't really touched this area much yeah no not not loads really um I, I did a little bit at school um but I didn't really know what I was doing to be honest <laughs> and I didn't really understand how it all worked so I probably came into it a bit later than most people yeah which is cool actually because I think some people have this idea that either you are a kind of techie person or you're not but you know, it, it seems to be something that you can kind of develop an interest for if you're around it, even if you think it's not ingrained in who you are. And I think that was the thing for me. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, I definitely didn't know very much about computers or technology or anything when I was younger. Yeah. And I, you know, wasn't very interested in like physics and maths at school. And so it did kind of just it did develop. So I, yeah, I definitely think that's true. That's awesome. And now you're kind of building uh, audio interfaces, which is so cool. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's a big change <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's cool so I you know we're, we're talking about um, audio interfaces and how they work but I think some people kind of uh, are not really sure of what exactly it is so do you have a bit of like a summary definition for us yeah it's definitely it's not something that everyone knows how to define really well um yeah. so essentially an audio interface is the piece of audio equipment that allows you to connect microphones and speakers to your computer so that you can record and listen to music essentially so microphones and speakers tend to work with analog audio and your computer works with digital audio so the the audio interface kind of turns analog audio into digital audio so your computer can understand it and then also when you're listening it turns the digital audio from the computer into analog so that your speakers can understand it and then you can listen to the music so that's essentially um, what it does yeah cool i think that's a really nice uh, definition and yeah makes it kind of clear in in my head which is which is cool. <laughs> cool it's it's that thing that you have that it's difficult to define but it's always there it's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah cool um I guess uh, there are certain elements that you'll find in most audio interfaces so can you categorize them into you know the main things that make up an audio interface yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned already the conversion from the analog to the digital and the digital to the analog audio. So inside every audio interface, there's a piece, there's a component that turns analog into digital audio and digital audio into analog audio. So there are two separate components that do that. There's also microphone preamps. Mm -hmm. So microphones tend to have very low signal levels. So you need to have a preamp to make those a lot louder, basically. Mm -hmm. And then there's also kind of all of the 
other connections that you have. Um, sometimes they have digital audio connections. Uh, sometimes they've just got analog audio connections. And then all of the controls on the front panel that kind of just give you some extra features and some extra controls. Cool. I guess um, there some people talk about um, seeing your interface as a kind of sound card and and your laptops, I guess, have a sound card, which is an audio interface in a way. In which situation would you kind of then go out to buy an interface when technically there is one in your laptop? Yeah, so you can just listen to music and and sometimes even record music without having an audio interface if you have USB mics and things like that. I think the next stage for actually purchasing an audio interface is when is when you want to the issue is doing it through your laptop is can be difficult to kind of monitor what you're mm-hmm. recording. So it can be difficult to listen to what you're recording without too much latency. Um, so latency being the kind of delay between when something happens and when you hear it in your headphones. So if that's too long, then it can be very off-putting as a musician, especially as a singer. So the having an audio interface kind of allows you to solve all of those problems, really. And it also gives you, it's going to give you a bit of a higher audio quality as well. And it gives you a lot of flexibility with what kinds of equipment you can plug into it. So you can buy any kind of microphone and plug that into your interface, or you can buy any kind of speakers or any kind of headphones, and it, it will all be there as part of your audio hub, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. So you mentioned having the interface will reduce your your latency that you might experience when you're recording something. So would you say that it reduces the load on your CPU as well, having an audio interface? Not not specifically. So it, it doesn't necessarily um, reduce the load on your CPU. It, it's more that it just, the audio can kind of pass through the interface a lot kind of quicker without having to go through the computer. So a lot of interfaces have a feature called like direct monitoring. So if like I'm kind of I'm using it at the moment. So if I'm talking into this microphone, um, it would take a long time for the sound that's going through the interface to then go through the computer to come back out of the computer into the interface and into my headphones. So the interface itself has a little kind of mixer thing, which allows you to take the live signal from your microphone um, into your headphones directly without going through the computer first. So that helps to, so you can listen to stuff in real time. So that's something that doing it through the computer um, doesn't quite have. Um, it's not necessarily a processing thing, because obviously the computer's still having to load the DAW and the plugins and whatever else you're running. But I think it's more like a timing thing. Cool, cool. You've answered a question that I was going to ask later on. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So we talked about the different elements that you mentioned um, that you will see in most uh, audio interfaces. If you're kind of going out uh and looking for a first interface, what kind of are the main things that you need to think about, would you say? So um, it's obviously, it depends a lot on what you are doing as a musician. So I'd say, and it depends on um, how much recording you've done before as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd certainly say for someone who's starting to record and hasn't done loads of it before, probably the most important thing is getting an interface that's going to allow you to focus on the music So not something that's super technically complicated that requires a lot of setup, that requires a lot of extra cables and equipment and things like that. Something that can just get you up and running very quickly and very easily 
is going to be better because it's going to allow you to focus on the music and not spend a long time setting up all the technology. Because even though I find it really interesting, it's not exactly <laughs> um, very good when you're trying to record a music and you're, you, you've got a creative idea and then the, you, know, the, you can't get it to work. It's just not yeah. something you really want. So I definitely say, you know, for starting out, pick something simple and not too complicated. And then aside from that, it's, it's kind of about what kinds of connections you need. So the most obvious one is microphone preamps so you need to think about how many different microphones you're going to need to plug in at the same time basically so if you're just recording vocals and guitar um, and doing those separately you can probably get one with two preamps and that will be fine if you're recording full bands or drums then you might want to go for something with eight preamps Mm -hmm. so when you say preamps uh, you mean the inputs and the amp for each one uh, yes. So when I say preamps, I mean uh, the individual mic for microphone preamps. So every microphone will need to be plugged into an individual preamp. So if you have four mics, then you need four preamps. So it's basically just how many you need to record at the same time. Obviously, you can overdub things, so you, you don't need to have the same number of preamps as tracks. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you said the number of preamps or things that you want to record at one time, the simplicity, so not to get too overwhelmed. So would you say they are the kind of two main things to consider? Certainly for for starting out, if you've already done a bit of recording and you kind of want to take your recordings to the next level, then obviously you might want to think about a slightly higher audio quality. Mm -hmm. So of, you can have a look at some of the, all the manufacturers will publish the audio specs of mm-hmm. their interfaces and you can start to, if you spend a little bit more money, then you can get some improvements in, in audio performance there. Looking at the specs, it, that can be quite technically complicated, but in general, um, it helps to give you a bit of an idea of which ones have higher audio quality over others. Although I'd say that if there's any kind of very small changes, that it's probably not going to be audible. Mm-hmm. And then there are also other features that different manufacturers interfaces give you. So for example, all the Focusrite interfaces have a feature called Air. So that's really great for recording vocals because it, it adds um, a bit of high frequency information um, to your recording. So it's it gives you that nice sort of sibilant sound uh, and sort of nice bright vocals. I was going to ask you about that actually because I... Um... Uh, before this episode, I was kind of having a look at the new Focusrite interfaces and I did see this air button quite often and I was I was like, hmm, I wonder what that is. And especially in kind of more modern and pop vocal recordings, I feel like there's there seems to be this kind of boost quite often in that really high register. So it's really cool that um, that's being introduced into the recording as maybe one thing you have to do less in post-production. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really nice way of getting that kind of modern vocal sound um, without having to spend a long time doing it with a plug-in later. Like it's already there. It's just one button. You just turn it on or you turn it off. There's no, you know, it doesn't take very long to do that. It's very nice and easy. So it's a really nice feature for vocals. I use it quite a lot and it's, um, yeah, it sounds really nice. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And uh, another thing is, Often in in interfaces, you will see like an instrument button. And can you explain what that does and how is that different to not having that on? And when would you use it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, instruments like uh, electric guitars, they are at a different level to the line level that the interface wants to receive. So they will also need to be um, amplified kind of like a microphone. The instrument level switch also changes the impedance of the input, which is um, to kind of match what the electric guitar is sending out. So um, impedance is kind of a frequency dependent resistance um, and the instrument will be giving out a a different impedance level to a microphone, which is why you need to have that switch. I see. I see. Okay. So you would always have it off when you're using um, a microphone? Yes, absolutely. So if you have a microphone, you put the input into mic mode. And when you plug an instrument in, you'd have it in instrument mode. And if you plug in a line level signal, like something like, like a piece of outboard gear, like a hardware compressor or something, then you would have it in line mode. Yeah, I very rarely actually record anything but vocals. So I've never really (laughs) experimented with that, to be honest. Um, And uh, actually, you mentioned another point there, which um, does it really matter which cable you're using, uh, whether you're using a microphone or an instrument? Um, I mean, I've got a XLR to XLR for my mic, but you do often see like XLR to the quarter inch jack. Does it make a difference which one you use? So for um, XLR and a quarter inch, which is a TRS quarter inch, so there's there's two different kinds of quarter inch connectors and um, it they look very similar. So you might not have noticed it, but there are on a what we call a TRS, so tip ring sleeve connection, there's actually like two lines on the actual jack. Um, whereas on a on a sort of guitar cable, which is a TS uh, cable, there's only one line. So for the quarter inch connections, yes, that, that makes a difference. So if you're plugging in a guitar, then you want to use one with only, only one line along the connector. And if you're plugging in any kind of professional audio equipment, like a headphones or, or anything like that, or um, like an outboard piece of gear, you're going to want the the TRS, the one with the two lines. Right. But in terms of um, is, is a TRS quarter inch any different to an XLR? No, the audio is exactly the same. Um, it's just you need to get the right shape at the end of the cable, basically, to mm. plug in whatever you're receiving. Um, I find this quite a lot with speakers, that some speakers have XLR connections mm. and some mm-hmm. speakers have have quarter-inch connections and then your interface, sometimes the outputs are quarter-inch and sometimes the outputs are XLR. So you have to just kind of ch- look at the equipment that you've got and find out what you need. Luckily, you can buy XLR to quarter-inch cables to help out. So it's, but the actual signal level is not going to be any different. That's good to know. So if you are new to production and you are kind of have maybe a mic and a one instrument, do you have a recommendation for like a good interface to start with? Yeah, definitely. So so I think for, for that setup, um, something like a Scarlett 2i2 or a Scarlett Solo would be a really, really good interface to get started. Um, what's really great about those interfaces is they have a very, very easy kind of getting started walkthrough mechanism. So as soon as you plug the interface in, um, it kind of tells you how to get started and how to plug everything in and how to make everything work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really nice and allows you to just focus on the music. And that should give you um, plenty of connections um, to record like one instrument and one and one vocal at the same time. 
yeah, I'll, I'll talk a bit about the Claret range. So that's that's kind of uh, the next step up from the Scarlet range. So our Scarlet interfaces are really great for people who are just getting started with recording. They might not have done too much recording before, and it's a really easy entry into recording, basically. There's a lot of provisions that we've made to help people get up and running really quickly, and and it's, it's supposed to be super easy. Claret's kind of the next step up from that, which um, gives you higher quality audio, and it's kind of for the people who, who've just want to take their recordings to the next level, want to get a bit higher quality sound. And so that's what I'm using today. So the 2Pre USB is the 2Pre version. And then we also have a 4Pre and an 8Pre. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, so I think we've gone through most of the things to consider, I guess, when um, purchasing an audio interface. Another question that I've seen come up a couple of times is people seem to get confused between a mixer and an audio interface. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so I can totally understand why that's a bit confusing. Um, I certainly, when I was starting out, was um, found that a bit difficult to get my head around. So um, the word mixer can mean quite a lot of different things. It's a word that just gets used quite a lot. So yeah. um, I guess technically it means taking a lot of source signals and sort of putting them together and then outputting them somewhere. That could be in the form of like a big console, so you have a physical console where you mix all this stuff together or it can be kind of in other products so your DAW is a mixer as well a lot of modern audio interfaces have mixers in them as well and essentially it just it just kind of takes all of the inputs and then puts them to different outputs and then the user can choose which inputs go to which outputs and how many of them combine together into one output and things like that so essentially any any time that multiple signals are coming together and being mixed together in some way, that that is a mixer. And there's just lots of different formats of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, cool. But so I guess a mixer wouldn't really do your job of recording something, which is probably where they defer. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's something that it can be confused, especially when you see those pictures of really professional studios with huge consoles. Um, yeah. So all of all the mixer is doing is is bringing all of the signals together and then sending them to different outputs. It's not recording anything. Um, it, it's just kind of distributing the audio, if that makes sense. So an interface, it, the the part of the interface around that kind of lets you plug your interface into your computer and then your computer is actually the thing that's doing the recording. So your audio interface isn't isn't doing any recording either. It's just giving the computer what it needs, basically. Yeah, yeah. To facilitate yes. the recording to happen, I guess. Yeah. It's it's kind of like um, you know, the best way I can think to describe it, and I feel like I should have said this in my one sentence description, is like when you have a computer and you have loads of USB USB things that you want to plug in, but your computer hasn't got enough ports, you get like a USB hub, and then all of the USB signals come together at this hub, and uh-huh. then the computer gets them all at the same time. It's that's kind of it's just like a giant audio hub, basically. Mm. Oh, cool. <laughs> I like that definition actually. Yeah, that's Seems like a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we've covered most uh, of the general things, I guess, that I wanted to talk about with audio interfaces. And then we had a couple of questions from our audience as well. So we had one from Sam Warren. So she asked, what makes a high-quality interface 
um, as opposed to a more low quality interface? And what do you need to look out for in your recording uh, to tell the difference between the two? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so obviously there's loads of audio interfaces out on mm-hmm. the market and it, it can be quite difficult to differentiate between them. So as you start to go up the price ranges, so as things start to get a bit more expensive, you will start to see um, an improvement in audio quality is probably the most obvious thing um, that will differentiate higher quality audio interfaces f- to, from the more kind of entry level ones. So that'll be things like higher quality microphone preamps, uh, higher quality Um, analog to digital and digital to analog conversion. Mm -hmm. So in general, it's kind of creating um, higher quality audio. The that's not to say though that some of the lower price ones aren't aren't good enough at all. Like these days, I mean, loads of these interfaces, they all make really great quality audio. Um, It's just that obviously, if you want to take it to that next level, then then that's, that's um, where you start to spend a bit more money. The other thing that some of the more higher higher priced interfaces have is like more professional connections so sometimes they have things like uh, audio over ip so sending audio over network cables and that's something that you tend to see on the more kind of professional interfaces and they also will have more features as well um, typically they end up having more features it depends a lot on kind of what you need really so if you really need some of those features then that might be the interface for you but if you don't actually need those extra connections those extra features then some of the the lower priced interfaces would be completely fine and do you have any particular advice on what exactly you're looking for in the recording to kind of tell the difference or is it just clarity based mainly yes yeah, so a lot of these um a lot of it's it's kind of quite difficult to hear a lot of the changes so if you you can always compare two interfaces and record something through both of them and then have a listen to the difference so in terms of looking at in the recording it's going to just be kind of a subjective like what you hear basically so you once you start to add lots of tracks together you'll start to hear a high quality group of recordings um, as opposed to a lower quality group of recordings. So especially something that could be an issue if you have a a low quality interface or low quality recordings is every single track that you record will have a very low level of noise on it. But the more that you start to build that up, it can become um, more noticeable. I I wouldn't say that it's noticeable in that you hear the noise really obviously most of the time but I think it's it's kind of more like a subconscious thing that you Mm. that you kind of feel yeah I guess uh, we were talking about noise floor in our episode on microphones and our our guest Dan Cox was talking about how that's basically the noise of the electronics in the microphone so I guess that would be something to consider in every element of the recording isn't it so not only the microphone, but also the interface and every other piece in that circuit. Yeah, absolutely. So so every piece of audio equipment adds a little bit of noise. And as you start to build up, so the microphone's going to add some noise, then the preamp will add some noise, and then um, the conversion. But generally in modern interfaces, these are incredibly, incredibly low levels of noise. But yes, every single piece of equipment will add a tiny bit of noise. Um, it's it's generally with modern interfaces, you don't need to be like too overly worried about about differences between them of of maybe like an extra couple of dB of noise or something. Yeah. You're, you're not necessarily going to hear that. I mean, uh, most modern audio interfaces are down in the sort of 
minus 120 minus 130 db of 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 noise on the preamps so yeah. it's 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 pretty low yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool cool yeah no good to know and the next question we had from a rosalia kingst so rosalia asked do interfaces work with all mics and instruments and are certain interfaces better for certain types of recordings? That's a really good question. So in general, yes, all microphones will work with all audio interfaces as long as you're connecting them in the right way. I know that in the microphone episode, you talked about phantom power and um, connect, making sure that you're applying that to the right mics and everything. So as long as you, you've done all that correctly, every you can plug any microphone into any interface um, and you don't have to have a really professional interface um, to have a really expensive mic. It, it will all work fine. And I've forgotten the other second half of that question. What was the second half of that question? <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. If certain interfaces are better for certain types of recording. So... I think again, it, it comes back to kind of what your workflow is. Really, I think I think there are certain interfaces that are better for certain kinds of workflow. So, for example, if you do a lot of recording like remotely, so if you're traveling to lots of different places to to record, you might want to have something that's smaller and um, you know, kind of gets up and running quicker and things like that. Whereas if you're kind of your interface stays in the studio all the time there might be some extra features you might want like for example if it's if it's on your desktop then you might want to be able to have access to those controls quite quickly if it's staying on your desk the whole time i wouldn't say that there's necessarily interfaces that are like bad for any kind of application they kind of can they can all record all kinds of music all kinds of spoken word um it just it just depends on your workflow really okay cool cool that makes sense yeah so that kind of wraps up what we wanted to talk about so um yeah thank you so much for your time and yeah it's been incredible and i uh, hope you continue to be creative during the lockdown and outside of that and um have a great day great thank you thank you for having me <laughs> Pleasure.